Chris Kauzo here with Matt Owl. And on this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss what I think is fair to describe, Matt, as obvious Oscar bait in the film that is King Richard. There's a story of Richard Williams, the driving parental force behind Venus and Serena Williams, give Will Smith the ability to finally net that elusive Best Actor statue. Then Matt and I are going to discuss the Resident Evil reboot, this time, what Matt, kind of sticking more to the game's roots, the storylines and all those kind of beats. Matt, it has to be better than those Paul W.S. Anderson films, right? It has to be. And then we'll do the life-changing rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to play another round of our second favorite non-spouse swapping role-playing game, Who Dat? This week featuring special appearances by Jared Leto, a rather unique Twitter account, and oddly enough, Matt? Either way, let's go ahead and start the show off with a clip from King Richard. You've faced a lot of criticism in the last three years since you pulled your daughters out of junior tournament tennis. Mm -hmm. You've been called controversial, overbearing, Mm -hmm. a self-promoting distraction. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to all that? Well, look, people's going to say what people's going to say. You know, when somebody come to me, tell me my daughter's so good and she, you know, she need to be playing matches. I know the only reason they see good is because they see money. And most of the time they see money that could be going into their pocket. But you've certainly said a lot of provocative things. Mm -hmm. You've said tennis parents should be shot. Mm -hmm. You've said you're brokering a deal to purchase Rockefeller Center. Well, truth is, I got so many businesses now, I hardly even think about tennis. And you're not concerned all that's holding them back? Most top prospects their age, like Martina Hingis, for example, are about to turn pro. But your daughters haven't played a match since 1991. Well, we're still pushing them forward. Venus speaking four languages. Uh, most of them fluently, almost. How many languages you speak? Uh, exactly. Not even really good at this one. That's right, Matt. Will Smith is, I think... Got a really good shot here at an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. Matt, why don't you tell everybody, what is King Richard all about? Yeah, it's a biopic about Richard Williams, as you said, who is the father of Venus and Serena Williams, and his push to make his daughters uh, the tennis phenoms that they become. So let me ask you about that, Matt. Is this kind of like a fascinating, really riveting behind-the-scenes story of the biggest influences in the lives of two just flat-out superstars in the tennis, if not sports, world? Or is it really just pandering Oscars bait? Pandering Oscar bait. That's exactly what this is. It doesn't really focus on the the sisters at all. It doesn't really care about those. This is really a story. This is Richard's story. He's obviously the protagonist. And everything is kind of focused on him and how he affects people and his failings. And it's not really so much about the Williams sisters. It's not really so much as a focus on them just as they're the driving force of his ambitions. Fair. I think this goes past kind of that typical Oscar bait stuff. I'm trying to think of some some movies in the last few years, right? There was one that is just, and I'm blanking on what it was, just just clearly designed to try and net some people some Oscars. Basically, I think anytime Eddie Redmond does some kind of individual with some type of disability, I think that's, (laughs) that's something that he's going for. So maybe that's what it is, too. Is it the uh, um, the Stephen Hawking film? But I don't know, Matt. I actually kind of enjoyed this. I think the film, as you said, granted, the Williams sister story is minimized by focusing on Williams's character, but they produced this film. It's not like they didn't know what was happening. They were mm-hmm. very involved in this thing, and they wanted, I guess, to make this 
loving homage to one of the most influential people in their lives who they feel brought them to where they are today. Now, we can talk about how much this film sanitizes his story because let me tell you, folks, it does in a major way. But I think still, as a vehicle for Will Smith, I think it is very it's it's very interesting listen it's a pleaser right it's perfectly packaged biopic it's designed to be so and i could see matt maybe well that would be the challenge for you right is that part of the issue just how sanitized the story is yeah it's sanitized and i don't like biopics that much anyway most of them are very pandering and not that interesting and like you said they're either interested in showing a person warts and all but they almost never are they're always kind of glorifying this person and I, I don't know that much history of Richard Williams. I don't know what some of the things are that he they did sterilize, but I even not knowing that, I could tell that there were a lot, there was a lot they were leaving out. And honestly, Will Smith doing the voice and the mannerisms and all that kind of stuff, that just reeks of like, look at me, I'm such a good actor. Give me, give me the golden statue, you bastards, kind of thing. <laughs> Listen, I think, as we said, the whole film does hang on Smith. And I think sometimes I'm a little too, I don't know. I don't know if I just give him enough respect because I thought he was quite good in this. I found him very, as, as an interesting character, very driven to his kid's success. But like you said, too, there's always the shadow of it where it's also really his success. He's the one that wants to do all this stuff now. The, the film tries to the shade it that he's trying to do for his family, but... I think if you look into a lot of his past and what really happened, I don't know if that's entirely the case. I think maybe he looked at these two children as his key to success, fame, and money more so mm-hmm. than it was wanting to do the best for his kids. Well, Because if you look into the true story of what happened, like they didn't live in Compton originally. He moved them there on purpose to, hi- to okay. harden them. And the older sister, Tundi, when she stayed behind, she was eventually shot and killed. She's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. He abandoned other children from prior relationships, or I should say relationships at the same time. <laughs> so, not a great guy, right? I guess a hyperbolic individual, always infatuated with his own story and trying to puff himself up. And he sees these two sisters, his two daughters, as maybe his his venue to do the, to do that. But I think that the film... If you're able to separate all of that and watch this film, I still think it's, I don't know. I thought it was a nice, really endearing kind of portrait of this guy who clearly didn't really exist in real life. Yeah. But still, I think it's, I think he's going to get that nomination. I think it's well-deserved. I think the whole film hangs on him. And if he flounders this, then the thing, whole thing is going to fall apart all around him. But it doesn't. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, endearing watch that hits all the moments and I think that's part of it, right, Matt? It does. It's very formulaic. It hits all those cliched story beats of the biopic that you so adore. <laughs> and it doesn't really do anything new with them, unfortunately. It's just your standard biopic fare. But it's with, a, I think, a very endearing and watchable Will Smith, which, which puts it over the top for me. Yeah, I think everything that you listed is one of the reasons I think it's just a, a bland also ran that we will quickly forget. Um, it's another biopic where it'll get some Oscar buzz. Maybe it'll finally win him the Oscar. Um, but 
I mean, how many times do we go back and watch Ali? How many times do we go back and watch Ray? Freaking never. We never do. And nobody's going to go back and watch like Bohemian Rhapsody, last year's big thing. These films are destined to be forgotten um, because they're just so, they're so polished. They are so forgiving. The stories that they tell, they leave out all the kind of warts so that they're not particularly interesting. And they're just kind of in love with their own subject matter and the voice and saying, look at what I can do kind of thing. I cannot stand biopics because I've never, hardly ever are they any good and get elevated above anything special. I don't understand what the big deal with them is. And I, I will always be baffled how they do so well at the Oscars. I mean, this is just middling. It's too long. Um, it's cliched. It's something you've seen a hundred times before. And honestly, two months from now, you will never, re you won't remember it and you won't watch it again. I think it's entirely possible. I think it's entirely possible. So I want to, just a couple of stray thoughts to you, Matt. I want to shout out to uh, Anjanu Ellis, who plays Orisine or Brandy Price, his wife. I mm -hmm. think she has some great moments in here. There's a particular one gut punch scene, which she delivers to Smith Williams, you know, when she makes him clear, clear to him that she knows what's going on. But mm -hmm. she wants, she's an equal partner in their relationship and everything that's happening around them and their family. I think that was very well done. Also, too, it's nice to see Barenthal not get knocked off in the first half hour of a movie. <laughs> so that's good. He uh, makes it all the way through. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Smith got reportedly paid $40 million for this film. Wow. $40 million. Yeah, I guess he's not getting any points off the back, so I guess that's why he doesn't care that it's on HBO Max, right? Well, to Smith's credit, too, allegedly he paid off. He paid his co-stars a nice bonus because the theatrical HBO Max release, you know, that mm -hmm. was going to impact the receipts of the film. So he's actually cut them all a bunch of a check. So okay. I guess good for him for doing that. I mean, it's not like he needs the money. Christ. Right. So... I'm I, I'm getting a. Let me see if I can call this Matt. I'm getting a C minus from you. What are you giving King Richard? Uh, I think I'm gonna be a little more generous than that. I'll give it a C. It's just mm -hmm. bland. It's so bland. It's it can't be can't be that angry about it. Other than the fact that it's kind of. I see what you're doing, King Richard. You're not fooling me. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a B. Again, I enjoyed it. I watched it with Mrs. First Run, who is a big tennis fan. She loves the <laughs> Williams sisters. So she was all in on this match. She gave this an A. She was a big fan of King Richard. She felt she's not as snobbish about this stuff as I am. I won't even yeah. bring you into this. Uh, yeah. So she, this is kind of the stuff that's just packaged for her perfectly. This is exactly right. what she's looking for. Right. So uh, yeah, she gave it an A. I give it a B. What are your thoughts on King Richard currently playing in theaters and available on HBO Max? No additional cost needed on that. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, December 7th. Well, you know, we always say that it's really impossible to make a good video game adaptation. At least there haven't been a good one. Well, that's maybe not necessarily the case this year. Everyone, everyone, hey, can I have your attention, please? Between the power outages and the storm, the whole... Emerson thing. Uh, I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. 
So maybe we. We stay here tonight. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. 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 With you. Yeah, I don't want to go out and get eight. Same. Janine, you got room? You can put us all up, can't you? No, it's oh, just a Thank you so much, Janine. People would have to double up. Well, I mean, I think that'd be fine. Right, Tessaly? Okay, slow down. Uh, out of curiosity, who is packing? I am, yes, sir, America. Well, we're packing, dog. Wow. I have Dave's hunting rifle, if that would be helpful. So Josh Rubin's Werewolves Within Matt is being released, featuring Sam Richardson and, uh, of course, Milana Weintraub. I had a lot of fun with this when it came out earlier this year. Matt, you did as well, right? You enjoyed Werewolves Within, didn't you? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's not quite what I expected, but it, it is an entertaining little movie. So there you go. No real special features to speak of from what I can tell. But if you haven't seen it, it's well worth checking out. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't know if you need to buy it, but it's definitely worth renting. Also coming out, Matt, is tri- the triumphant, triumphant, question mark, air quotes, return to acting of Clint Eastwood with Cry Macho. His, I guess, Matt, what, additional attempt to deconstruct the Western mm-hmm. right. is okay, <laughs> middling. A little yeah. underwhelming. We're saying that a lot. I think we're going to be saying a lot that a lot about the movies this year. It's <laughs> quite possibly. So uh, two featurettes in the making of that one. Joe Carnahan's Pulp Fiction slash 1970s Assault on Precinct 13-ish kind of Sam Peckinpah mashup Cop Shop is coming out. Also featuring, I think, a great turn by Alexis Louder, Gerard Butler, a lot of fun, and Frank Grillo. Uh, we enjoyed Cop Shop. I know I did, Matt, for the most part, right? What about you? It was interesting. If you hadn't told me that was Frank Grillo, I probably would never have recognized that it was Frank Grillo. So, I mean, it's an interesting little pulp feature. There you go. Ron's Gone Wrong, I believe it was a Disney film, not Pixar, but Disney animated film featuring the voice talents of Zach Galifianakis, Jack Dylan Grazer, Olivia Coleman, and Ed Helms. Man, this came out like three weeks ago in the theaters. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen is being released as well. This is the big screen adaptation of the beloved musical, but I think weirdly casting the same actor who I think is now in his 30s to play a high school student with, I think, no de-aging whatsoever. Interesting call. Uh, B action superstar Scott Adkins stars in One Shot. Bruce Dern and Cam Giddens star in Last Shootout. Lots of shooting going on right now. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing One Night in Miami. This is Regina King's film featuring kind of a, what is it, Matt? A fictionalized meetup of Sam Cooke, Jim Ground, Malcolm X, and uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is okay. I wasn't as blown away by it as other people. I thought it was just fine. Speaking of Criterion, remember I talked last week about my Citizen Kane set? And how they were offering replacements for the Blu-ray. Well, my Barnes & Noble order was... Here's the thing. I didn't order it. I had it reserved, right? So they canceled my res- reservation because Criterion pulled them all back. So I never actually got it. Wah, wah. So now I'm going to have to wait for the uh, eventual re-release. And then I guess next year's sale <laughs> to buy it. But I did get, though, in the mail, Matt, for a saucy, I think, $78, my Blu-ray copy of Zola, which I'm very excited about. And my Criterion pickups, Matt, I got Ugetsu, I got Harakiri, and then I got Mikey and Nikki. Have you ever seen Mikey and Nikki? No, I haven't. It's available on the Criterion channel right now. I watched it about two months ago, and it is wonderful. 
It is, if you haven't seen it, Matt, watch it this weekend. It is kind of like an anti-gangster film featuring John Cassavetes and Peter Falk. And Cassavetes basically rips off a mobster. And they're all in the mob. And he's basically, they get a hitman gets hired to take him out, played by Ned Beatty. And Cassavetes reaches out to the only person you can trust, his only friend, Peter Falk. And they have to basically survive the night and get out of New York City. And it is a fascinating tale about friendship. And as I use this word again, a kind of deconstruction of the mob film. And mm. it's by Elaine May. And it is a, I think it's a classic movie, Matt. Honestly, one of the things we're going to try and do for the end of this year is put together a list of our 25 favorite films maybe like a 50 thing online later on. This may make the cut for me. I was really? that blown away by it, Matt. Wow. You really have to check it out. Okay. Kino Lorber is releasing Hard Target. This is the John Woo Van Damme film with a brand new 4K restoration of the unrated international cut of the movie with a bunch of new interviews and a new audio commentary. Now, there's a little discrepancy about the Hard Target, Matt. It's not the director's cut, which I think is available in the ether online. This is the unrated international cut, but it's not the full director's cut that I guess has never officially been released. Keynote Lorber is also releasing Mr. Majestic. This is the uh, Charles Bronson film, brand new 2K restoration of that. They're releasing Get Crazy with a brand new 2K restoration of that one as well with a new audio commentary. They're also releasing 21 Hours at Munich with a new commentary and Busting featuring Elliot Gould and Robert Blake. Warner Archive is releasing Angels with Dirty Faces as well as another Elliot Gould film, Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Again, Matt, third time's a charm. Deconstruction of the film noir, Private Eye. This is a, basically takes the Marlowe legend, turned it on its ear, set in the 70s LA with Elliot Gould as Marlowe. A wonderful little film, uh, if you haven't seen it. Warner Archive is also releasing Broken Lullaby with a brand new 2K restoration and a new audio commentary. Shout Factory is releasing the last film, I believe, of Joan Crawford, Trog. Paramount Presents is releasing Harold and Maude, the brand new 4K restoration. They've pulled back that license from Criterion. Arrow is releasing a set called the Giallo Essentials, featuring What Have They Done to Your Daughters, Torso, and then Strip Nude for Your Killer. Arrow is also releasing Mill of the Stone Woman, the brand new 2K restoration. There's the Italian and English export versions as well, as well as a French and U.S. version, which is part of the limited edition box. Code Red is releasing the Checkered Flag or Crash, featuring Joe Don Baker, Susan Sarandon, and Larry Hagman. 4K releases, Matt. Who Framed Roger Rabbit gets a Best Buy Steelbook, as well as a traditional release. I have not watched Roger Rabbit in... How old am I? 20? Came out in... When did that come out? 88? I feel like... It's 80-something. Mid to late 80s, yeah, right? Late 80s, yeah, I think. I don't think I've watched it since I owned it on VHS. Really? When was the last time you watched it? It's probably been a good 10, 10, 15 years, but I have seen it more recently than that. Did it hold up? Do you remember it at all? Yeah, I thought it was still pretty good. Um, it's not it's not bad at all. Hmm. 4K release of Krampus is being released as well. Includes the naughty cut of the film which includes additional scenes of adult language and previously uh, kind of cut gore footage as well to get that PG-13 rate rating. Uh, new Dolby Atmos track and more. Another 4K release, Matt, the entire Karate Kid collection, at least the, the Macho Days, are getting released in a 4K UHD box set. Matt, my big present to myself this year 
was my TV. I got a LG, was it C1 OLED television? And it is gorgeous. I hooked up my uh, a 4K UHD player to it, Matt. I watched the first Matrix film, so I want to try and get through them all for the new film. And a couple other things. And it looks absolutely fantastic. If Folks and folks, if you can swing it, though it's a little late now, the Black Friday's over. These OLED TVs are off the chain, as the kids say. <laughs> well, I guess if you can wait. I mean, the, the best TV sales are usually right before the Super Bowl. So February time frame, if you miss Black Friday, is a good time to buy. Nice. There you go. All right, Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with 13 Slays Till Xmas. On December 24th, five seemingly random men are invited to a dive bar by a mysterious email. They decide to pass the time by resurrecting the old tradition of telling scary stories on Christmas Eve. Is that a thing? Is that what the uh, Howl household does? Scary sure, stories Sure, that's, that's, that's every night for us. That's every Wednesday, so I don't understand why it's that, uh, it would be that different. Fair. As each takes turns spinning yards of yuletide terror, it becomes evident they may be harboring a dark and deadly secret. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I'm going to recommend yet another TV show just to keep the, some some focus on the small screen because uh, generally it's been more enjoyable than movies as of late. Um, I'm going to recommend um, Mythic Quest, a, an Apple Plus series where it stars uh, uh, Rob McElhaney from uh, Always Sunny Fame, also stars Danny Putty from Community, and some other people that you probably have never seen before. They basically are, it's a workplace comedy in that kind of always sunny vein um, that takes place at a gaming studio that makes a MMO, an online role-playing game. And it's actually quite funny and has the same kind of misanthropes that you would expect. And Danny Putty's turn as the manager of monetization as just like this kind of walking am amalgamation of pure evil that's also very agreeable and nice is, is fantastic. Now, see, I'm about to cancel my Apple Plus because right, okay. Ted Lasso's over. My okay. wife just finished The Morning Show, which is a show I just despise. <laughs> it is so pretentious and overwrought. Everything is always so dramatic and such a big deal. It, have you watched The Morning Show at all? I haven't, and I have no plans to. Don't. It is just unmerciful. See, I, it, so that show's good, huh? I felt like there's no way it was going to be any good, but it is. You know, it starts off kind of middling, but it gets better as it goes along, as most things do. Honestly, there's only two seasons. They're only a half hour long. It, it would take you, you know, maybe a couple of weeks to watch it. Eh, maybe I'll try and squeeze it in. Good times. Thanks, Matt. All right. Let's keep rolling, kids. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Matt, do you like the Resident Evil films, the Polish no, Anderson no. and Mila Jovovich? I, no. And I, it boggles my mind that you... Don't you own some of them? No. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I thought you did. I thought you had some weird affection for those Resident Evil films for some reason. You know what? That's not true. I bought like a three-pack of them on DVD when the first three came out like that. They had like a three-pack of them, I think, or maybe even a four. I don't know. But I, yeah, no. I mean, I've seen them all. And I think I tried to embark on a rewatch of them a while ago, and I got through the first two, and I'm just like, it's... Why am I doing this? What is the point of this? <laughs> so I stopped. So at least now we can reboot fresh Mark, 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 Matt. What do you want to call yourself today? What are we going with today? Uh, sure. Mark's good. That was my name in French class when I was in high school. All right, Mark. My French name. All right, Mark. Well, this reboot, finally, we're going to get things on track, right, Matt? We're going to have a really terrifying, action-y kind of survival film franchise. Finally getting Resident Evil right. 
Every story has a beginning. Discover the origin of evil. Why are you back here, Claire? Your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids. They're not true now. We need to expose Umbrella. Watch this. I'm afraid, Claire. I'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town. You see, Umbrella, they had an incident. I'm talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. let the world know what's really going on all right matt so the film opens up with claire and cliss redfield they're in an orphanage they're kids and there's something bad going on in this orphanage they're going to fast forward to 1998 which of course is back in time for us and claire is returning to raccoon city to finally right the wrongs that the umbrella corporation has done and she gets there just in time as everything is falling apart and everything is going wrong. Matt, this film is chock full of Resident Evil game characters, right? You have Jill Valentine, you got the Redfields, you got Wesker, right? You got uh, Leon, right? Everybody's here. So, Mark, is this the electrifying franchise reboot we've been waiting for? Or are we now missing Paul W.S. Anderson's films after all? Yeah, nobody's missing Paul W.S. Anderson's film. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, but no, these are not particularly good films. Here's a secret, guys. I played the first two Resident Evils when they came out. I think I played the third one, too, back in the original PlayStation days. As fun as those games were and as scary as those games were, the story made no sense in either one of them. They were basically these dense, impossible-to-follow jumbles of insanity. And I can't imagine why anybody thinks that they can make a film out of these things because it is much more from what I remember to an extent uh, faithful to the original games, even though I think they mash up several of them together, but mm-hmm. it's not good. I mean, this, the, the base is not good. Why, why, like why I was annoyed that I had to go see this, Chris, you know what? Annoyed. So was I now <laughs> when I <walked> in, <laughs> about, I don't know, half an hour in and I'm like, what is happening here? So it hits me, Mark. That at some point, when we do our timestamps, they're using John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy font, which is the thing, Prince of Darkness, and in the Mouth of Madness, particularly the thing in Prince of Darkness. It's the same font, or slightly different. So that's what they think that they're dealing with here, right? And it's this kind of mishmash of Prince of Darkness and Assault on Precinct 13. It has that kind of feel to it. But bad, much, much bad. And I think that that's what Johannes Roberts is going for. He's trying to make a Carpenter-esque film and reboot the Resident Evil franchise. I got to tell you, Matt, he fails on every level. It's impressive, I have to admit, to get me to rather have been watching a Jovovich Resident Evil film than, than this. I understand that it's very faithful to the game's But sweet Pete, what a mess. The narrative in this thing, Matt, is horribly forced and never comes together. And people ask you, well, how do you tell if a a film is edited well? How do you tell if there's a a good editor? So if you remember for an editor, it's not about just kind of splicing things. It's about getting all of the film together and trying to create a cohesive narrative 
right? Maybe moving dialogue around, moving stuff around, changing this, whatever the heck it is. You get a mass of, like this point, what, right, Matt? Digital files. And then you have to put them together, create a, a cohesive film. And that's not what happens here. This is a prime example of either bad editing or bad storytelling slash direction. If you want to know the difference, watch this. It's it's horrible. It's too chaotic. You never care about any of the characters or what is happening. If you can even figure out what is happening. And another thing too, Matt, which I think is a cardinal sin, is I feel like the body count in this film is minuscule. Right? Outside of the people who've already been turned. We have our air quotes, victims. There's what, like, maybe three? Four? Right. Two mm-hmm. cops. And the police chief guy. And I guess the truck driver? But he's a, he's, he's a gross guy, so he doesn't count. But that's it. And it's also, another problem, Matt, it's not scary. No. Not at all. It focuses too much on what I think are some legit, those sparse, gore moments and like I said it's not remotely scary and possibly Matt the most infuriating thing for me of all is that it sets up a sequel and this is a franchise at this point that needs to be snuffed out absolutely immediately yes I agree wholeheartedly there's not I mean again I could have told you this and saved these guys millions of dollars there's no reason to put this thing out here yeah it's it's just not good I mean even the the special effects they're just so dated looking i mean we can do so much better but it, it just look terrible there's really no, nothing to recommend this at all and i don't know if i would go so far as to say i would rather be watching a mila jovovich um resident evil film but i i certainly wouldn't i i yeah i i would think they all should just go away the whole thing should just be purged from my memory well, I mean, it'll never happen right because it's a sony exclusive franchise and right. the games are wildly successful yeah, I mean, I hear that new one. I haven't played it yet, but I hear it's like story-wise and, and just gameplay-wise is like the best one that's ever been. So I, I, I apparently they're doing good on the game front. I would pick it up if I could get my hands on a PS5. So maybe in mm-hmm. five years I'll be able to play. Right, it. right. When you get one out of pawn shop, when PX PS6 is coming out, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I am really, I don't know, Matt. I'm actually shocked. By how bad this is. I mean, I didn't expect a Ari Aster Resident Evil film or you know any one of the you know the the young guns, if you will, of horror right now who are just churning out some fantastic stuff. I wasn't expecting some revolutionizing adaptation, but man, this is just supposedly the the guy who directed this thing too. Right, Johannes Roberts is like supposedly a massive Resident Evil fan and he wanted to make something for the fans. Well, if this is what the fans are looking for, this is a even a video game franchise I would I was gonna pass on. I think I've played four, I think. I haven't played a lot of them because I didn't really buy into the PlayStation until the PS3. And I don't I never really bought any of the um you know, the reboots of the games either. Right. So I think I know five. I played five. Which was pretty good, I thought. It was okay. I don't know. I'm not a res head, as I think that's what they call themselves, right? <laughs> No, horrible, Matt. Horrible. I think it's the first one this year. I'm doing it. F. Giving him an F. Yeah, I I have to agree. I'm going to have to give this this sucker uh, an F as well. It's a real stinker. Real stinker. Goes on the... uh, Real stinker, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
I usually try and find something too that's at least a couple of positive notes. I no, I really there's nothing here. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Well, hopefully everything for the rest of the year is looking up. Hopefully, hopefully it can only get better from here. Well, we got Brendetta coming out, right? Which I'm very excited about Verhoeven's new film. So <laughs> you want to talk about uh. Yeah, lots of good stuff coming, folks. We just got to get through this week, and uh, hopefully things will turn the corner. I know Matt's really excited about one of the films we'll be talking about soon. In fact, let's jump right into it with Who Dat. Of course, Resident Evil, currently playing in theaters. Shoot us an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. What are your thoughts? Are we wrong? We can't possibly be wrong. It's horrible. All right. Matt, this one's for you, buddy. Or Mark. You have a gift, I'm telling you. Oh, stop. Stop, you're going to make me. You wanted to make me cry. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody. Paolo, why don't you have your own line? These are just mock-ups. I can't afford to get serious. With your gift and your talent and your vision. Are you kidding? Gucci needs no blood. Goodbye, 1930s. Hello, 80s. Huh? You took the words right out of my guts. Tell me that doesn't sound awesome, Matt, right? You psyched for Gucci now? How's it Gucci? No, no. I'm yeah. Not. <laughs> That's your boy Jared Leto as Paulo Gucci on his role prep for that film, Matt. Are you ready? Sure. I think half joking. I hope. I did it all. I was snorting lines of Arabiata sauce by the middle of this movie. I had olive oil for blood. This was a deep dive I did. If you take a biopsy of my skin, it would come back as Parmesan cheese. This is my love letter to Italy. There was a lot of work and preparation. Yes, they had an Italian accent, and I enjoyed and embraced that. And I lived in space as much as I could, and for as long as I possibly could. I climbed into the creative cave and came out through the bowels and intestines into the esophagus of the one and only Paolo Gucci. Matt, you are Jared Leto. What's up with you, man? What is going on? And then you do that kind of level prep with Morbius? And what the hell does that mean? Mm. Yeah, so, Chris, I don't know if you've ever been as dedicated to anything in your life as Probably not. I, am to, I am to the craft of acting. And I think it's important for actors to fully embrace um, the roles are going to play. I'm a big fan of method. I think that's really the only way to do it. I have a lot of respect for Shia LaBeouf for going out and shooting those dogs. And, you know, for Morbius, I may or may not have stalked uh, some alleyways um, with some contacts in and fake plastic teeth and scared a few hobos. That did happen, but I had to really get into my role here. And I think it, everything is better for it. I think you're going to love my terrible, terrible Italian accent along with Lady Gaga. I can only wait and just wait till you hear Adam Driver as well. It's going to be chef's kiss. Fantastic. <laughs> I really think Matt, if we're going to go out on a horrible film, you know, and, and just kind of glide through the award season for the rest of the year, <laughs> I think uh, Gucci really is the way to go. I think that's where you close it out. Absolutely. But what happens if you love this film, Chris? What if you're like, yes, this is the one? Could be. Yeah, I love crazy kind of over-the-top stuff every now and then, and this could very well be that. So, uh, yeah, it's possible. I will adore House of Gucci. You never know. No, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm not 100% in the Lady Gaga camp yet. I thought she no. was fine in A Star is Born. 
So we'll see how that shakes. So maybe this will push her over the edge and we'll have a Gaga line. I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? All right. So it's been announced that uh, Nick Cage is going to play Dracula mm. in the uh, upcoming Renfield starring Nicholas Holt. So Nick Cage, are we getting hammy Dracula or scary Dracula? I'm on the fence on that. And here's the best part about it is if you want me to go kind of Mandy, werewolf woman of the SS, Fu Manchu Dracula, you're going <laughs> to love it. If you want reserved kind of pig Dracula, you're going to love it. So I'm kind of on the fence right now. I may end up just flipping a coin and seeing which way we go with. I'm Honestly, I'm leaning towards over the top campy Dracula with a cape up to just below my nose and just scooting around my castle all the time, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. But, uh, yeah, all I can guarantee you, Mark, is that you are going to absolutely love my Dracula. You're going to get out of the theater, and you're going to be like Al Pacino. You're like, what a picture. That's what you're (laughs) going to be doing. It's going to be – it's going to – Oscar nominations. It's going to be the event – the cinematic event of the year, and you are going to love it. I just hope that we get another sound clip to add to the bank of along the lines of not the bees or you tore my shirt. That would be good. All right, Matt. Let's see here. I can't decide which one I want to give you first. All right, I'm going to go with this one. You're Matt Howell. Oh, Peter Jackson's Beatles documentary, currently available on Disney Plus, is all the rage. Everybody's talking mm-hmm. about it. Right. So what miniseries, band, documentary do you want to see? For my next project? Well, no. Just what would you like to see? You're Matt Howell. So you oh. could choose a band okay. or an artist that gets sure. us three kind of long form making of in the studio thing. If you okay. it's up to you, what would you greenlight? Ooh, okay. So... Making in the studio, okay, I think if I'm going to go older bands, I'd like to see either Led Zeppelin or Ziggy Stardust era David Bowie, because I think both of those would be insane and Mm -hmm. train wrecks (laughs) to an extent where the magic came out at the same time. Or maybe even Fleetwood Mac while they're making rumors because they all hated each other. That could be some high drama. That... Would be good, I think. Or at least I would even take a cinematic adaptation of the recording of the Rumors album. That I'm surprised that hasn't been done yet. Um, maybe they're just rights issues where none of them are, are like, hell no, I'm not <laughs> signing off on that. Uh, Buckingham right, it was notoriously uh, unagreeable. So, uh, yeah, I don't. if you want to go Bowie, I would suggest maybe Station to Station, which is the album supposedly he was coked up on the entire time. He doesn't mm-hmm. even re- remember recording it. And it ends up being one of the greatest records of his entire canon. But that's interesting. What if it could be anybody, though? New? Is there a newer thing? See, I mean, I got really into, like, indie bands and, like, uh, and like punk bands. So, like, smaller bands when I was, you know, I, I don't think they have, like, those kind of weird rock excesses that, uh, like, uh, some of the bigger bands from back in the day did. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of anybody um, who I would like to see. Maybe, I guess... 
musical turning point for me, I guess, recording of the Nevermind album, that would be maybe possibly interesting to see. Or go from Nevermind to In Utero where everything is kind of falling apart. That could be interesting to see as well. Yeah, I think that's part of it, right? Is it has to be a major turning point or end point for the band, right? That's why the whole... (laughs) The Beatles thing is so interesting, even though that's not technically the last album they recorded, right? They recorded uh, Abbey Road last. They did let it be, and they didn't like how it was turning out, so they moved on to Abbey Road, and they came back to let it be and kind of tightened it up or finished it and then released it, but it wasn't – it was recorded prior to, even though it was released after Abbey Road. But you can see – but the the tension is there, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is so like that would be good. Like then, like Pink Floyd, what the wall would be good for that because the band right. is fracturing at that point. One of my favorite box sets ever, audibly, is the Stooges Funhouse box set, which mm-hmm. if you Rhino put it out years ago and they since re released it, but it's every single piece of tape from the recording of the Funhouse album, which is fascinating to hear. And I wish more musicians would do something like that. I would love an every piece of tape, like you said, of the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. Mm-hmm. Everything, the stuff, the, the alternate takes, things getting dropped, studio dialogue. I wish more artists would do something like that. That would be fascinating to hear. Um, if I had to choose one, like you did, I don't know, maybe the, I'd be curious about the recording of Trompe Mon, the last, mm. I think, good Pixies album, you yeah. know, when it was basically a Frank Black or Black Francis solo project with just a Pixies playing on it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Would be interesting to sit in, or just a recording of Doolittle, obviously, I think, which is considered their best work. Though I love Bossa Nova because of the surf. I really like Bossa Nova, too. I'm starting to like Bossa Nova more than Doolittle, I think, just because I had spent so much time listening to Doolittle. Hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Fascinating stuff. All right, what do you got for me? You're Dolph Lundgren. Mm-hmm. Is your proposed uh, Drago, Ivan Drago spinoff going to be more fun and less serious than Creed? Well, there'll be a little humor in it, and I think it's gonna you're gonna get my side of the story, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, I have no idea where to go with this, <laughs> um, <laughs> because well, the stuff with the Cold War, and there'll be the pressure that I'm under as well to represent my country as it is falling apart behind the scenes with nobody really knowing, right? The general public, or at least the rest of the world, not knowing. And I think that's what it's going to be. It'll be a, a very heavy drama. Uh, so no, it won't be fun and campy. So there's no um, Christmas robot in my series. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, but you'll see my story coming up and my clearly use of steroids to get stronger and bigger, mm. and me occasionally just you know repeating my favorite line like you know like Ivan, you're gonna burn the steak, and I'll be like, if it burns, it burns. You know, just <laughs> whatever the circumstances. Careful, you're going to drop that dish. If I drop it, I drop it. That kind of thing, you know, over and over again. So it'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And I'm excited to do kind of a serious kind of turn. If you want nice goofy stuff, just throw on Aquaman. Doing the same stuff with the sequel. You're going to love it. So, uh, yeah, no. There you go. All right. What do you got for me? All right, Matt. You are Twitter user Spider underscore Leaks. Okay. You tweeted this out on what is affectionately known as Spider Monday, when the tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home came out. One round, no mistakes, no do-overs. Most of us are going to fail, and some succeed. Be careful. Look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives, and we're going to win. Whatever it takes. Good luck. You okay, man? (laughs) Yeah, I... Is that, uh... So... 
Unhuda for a second. Is that from is that from Endgame or something? Is that a Captain America quote? Iron Man? Is it? I think I thought it was. It sounds familiar. And it sounds like I think that's like like when they're getting ready to go back in time. The, you know what? It, and it, I mean, it would make sense to to do that in your Spider-Man ticket odyssey. Mm-hmm. There is a this is the fight of our lives comes up as an Avengers Endgame quote one round one round trip each no mistakes no do overs most of us going somewhere we know that doesn't mean we should know what to expect be careful look out for each other that's like a so I guess it's a tweak paraphrase yeah. yeah all right so you're yeah, buying just... Spider Man tickets Matt more mm-hmm. storming Normandy one of the two <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean this is this is the movie event of the last few years, at least since Endgame has come out, I think this is going to be the biggest Marvel movie possibly ever. And just by the sheer fact that ticket scalpers are selling tickets for our first showing for $25,000 is... <laughs> is that true? I'm dead, I'm dead true that somebody's got a $25,000 ticket up there for you to buy. Is that an eBay? I think it might be. I read I it somewhere. It I I didn't actually go out and look at it myself, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. I I don't understand that because it's like you know you can wait a few days and suddenly you'll be able to see the the, the movie. It's not. I don't. It blows my mind about. It. I remember when I was younger, I would get really excited and need to go to the opening night of a of a screening of something. Like I remember how big a deal it was to go see Goldeneye. Right. We went to uh, was working at Pizza Hut at the time, and we all got tickets to go. Um, like it was like an eleven o'clock showing, whatever it is, when we finally closed up, and we basically the whole store. We all went, and it was a major event. We had a blast. Though so we had one of the guys that was with us was one of the delivery drivers, Matt. And every time something happened, he would say something. He was like, "Oh my god, did you see that? That's incredible!" Like throughout the entire <laughs> film, where people were yelling at him throughout the theater, "Shut up!" So it was it was horrible, but I don't I don't know, man. That's just crazy to me that that's. Listen, folks, I'm gonna give fill you in a little secret. All right, go on a Monday night. Yeah, there's usually almost nobody there, and also I can't tell you how great it is to go to the movies alone. Oh, it's I, fantastic! I know. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I love that right now and then people are like, normalize going to the movies. Oh, normalize it. Celebrate it. I know. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would go with another person because you, you're going to go spend two hours sitting in silence. You're not allowed to say anything. So why would you go with anybody else? Who cares? Yep. All right. So, yeah, I'm looking at eBay right now. So, um, so $5,000 for four tickets in New Braunfels, Texas at 5 p.m. show. Um, twenty four thousand dollars for ten tickets in Los Angeles premiere. <laughs> Two tickets earlier premiere December sixteenth twenty thousand dollars. You can't even throw in free shipping, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this is in Baltimore, and you know yeah. what? It's not even an IMAX or a Dolby. Yeah, two tickets, ten thousand dollars at the AMC Garden State sixteen and IMAX. My God. Twenty thousand dollars, two tickets in New Lenox, Illinois. Yeah. 
Like, why? Why? Like, scalping has gotten out of control. Like, toilet paper and PS5s and Xboxes. (laughs) And now, you know, now something that if you just wait 48 hours, you can get it for $15 from, from hell. You can get it for, like, under 10 if you go during the day at AMC. That boggles my mind. Can you still... I can't seem to find a way to do this. I thought you could sort by sold. And I'm curious how many of these have actually... Oh, yeah. There's not a way you can do that. It's not easy, but you can get to it. I forget how, though. But it's not like it used to be. Oh, here we go. Sold items. Completed items. Showing 18 results. Here we go. Okay. What's the top one? Oh, my God. So one had listed for 5,000. It just says best offer accepted. Okay. Sold December 1st. No Way Home, 3 p.m., El Paso, Texas, December 16th, $10,000. That has got to be somebody who bid and d- like opened up a shell account and just has no no intention of actually paying the $10,000. Wait. Wait. No Way Home tickets. Here we go. Where is this one? It doesn't say where it is. It must have, maybe they, they wrapped it once at $25,000. $15,000. Jesus, this is there's are early screening tickets, but ten thousand. Yeah, and I just I just like to point out in my local area of Central Connecticut, I can get into every single show they have on on the sixteenth if I want to <laughs> <laughs> for for nothing for whatever it costs normally. Yeah, hell, and I don't even know. I just pay. I have a list, so I just pay my twenty five dollars a month, and I can just go to any of these. Exactly. <laughs> I fell victim to it, Matt. I that day of Monday morning, and I'm seeing all this stuff online, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" So I popped into my A list app, looked it up. You know, Monday seven o'clock, Dolby Theater. One or two tickets were sold. Oh, really? So, like, all right, there we go. Well, I think what it is, I have, a, I have a sneaky Dolby Theater here. Everybody mm-hmm. goes. There's two near me, right? There's one Veterans, which is an AMC 24. It's massive. And there's an AMC 14, which is in a mall. And okay. they opened up a Dolby Theater a year ago there. So okay. that's the one I always go to because that one has like half of the population as the Veterans does. Yeah, looking at our my local Dolby at the 7 o'clock on Thursday, the only thing that's open is the front two rows. But still can get seats if you really want to go at 7 o'clock. That's a good question, yeah. Let me uh, look at – this is good radio, folks. <laughs> I am going to look at my veterans, which is the big theater that everybody goes to. Let's pop on down to the 16th. Spider-Man No Way Home, Dolby, 715. Here we go, Matt. You ready? How many seats? Yeah. None. Sold out. Sold out. Okay. And with my IMAX, 815. I have some randos. Some seats at the, all the way at the top of the theater and about eight halfway down in the middle of the IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. The IMAX here looks like it's pretty good. Like you could go see it in IMAX. I want to go see it in Dolby, but I could see it in IMAX if I really had to see it the first day. Yeah. Good times. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Well, you know, every generation has its struggle. I guess so. You got any more? Uh, Yeah. I got one more. Uh, You're Rob Zombie. Yeah, sure. Of course. Uh, How effed up is your Munsters movie going to be? Wow. It's going to be, you know what? I'm going to shock you, Matt. It's going to be pretty straightforward. It's going to be fun. It's going to be funny. I have a couple. This is basically going to be the Disney version 
right? This is going to be like, you know, it's really scary, but still family friendly. Um, something wicked this way comes, mm. which starring Jonathan Price, which is from what I hear, one of Crispy Scalzo's favorite kind of childhood horror films. And it's going to be that. I think zombie is going to expand a little bit here. It's still going to be a little dark, but it's going to be, I think, a family-friendly thing. And he's going to pull it off, and it's going to be good. There's not going to be any cannibalism that's, you know, <laughs> up front in your face. Uh, but still, yeah, it, it's. I think you're going to like it. You're going to be able to bring the kids and have a blast. And then they'll be singing, you know, Dragula as they walk out of the theater. <laughs> I guess they will, because isn't that the name of uh, Grandpa's car? Is the Dragula? So. Yeah. yeah. So there All you right, go. There you go. All right, Matt. I got, I got one Descalzo more. Crispy seeing that? What's that? Are you going to go see that, Crispy Descalzo? Oh, I I guess. If, is it going to hit the show? We're going to do that at the end of the year. And my new computer is coming today. Oh. I'm very excited, Matt. We're going to be able to do a lot more streaming things with this thing and have a lot more computing power. So I'm very excited about that. But we're going to have to do that, Matt. We're going to have to get together and plot 2022. Okay. And we'll see what happens. That's 2022, right? Yeah, it is. I think so. All right. Good times. All right, Matt. Here we go. I got one more for you. All right. I love this. Tom Holland says he does not want to play Spider-Man once he hits 30, that he's done. Producer Amy Pascal says this week, oh, we're doing another trilogy. Four, five, and six are in the works with Tom Holland to Spider-Man. Okay. So what's what's, what's going on there, Tom? How old am I now? Refresh my memory? 25. 25. You're not churning out three movies in five years, to tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I I think... um, I want to be done by 30, but I think if they throw enough money at me and I think they're good enough, um, I'm basically the biggest property in the comic books um, for many, many years. And if I'm going to be the new RDJ, the Iron Man through line, I'm, I'm fine with that. I just don't want to go much past 30. If, if it's early 30s and they make it worth my while and I think it's a good enough story, I think I'll still do it. And is it going to be not just your next trilogy? But are you going to be popping up in other Marvel films as well? How much money is that going to cost them? Um, it's going to cost me a lot of points. Maybe not a lot in the salary, um, but it's going to cost me a lot of points. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I wonder what they're going to do, Mark, too, about that. Are they going to keep them in high school? Or are we going to we're going to be in college and older? Is he going to get married, have a kid? What, how far yeah. do you think they're going to go? I would hope they go pretty far because I think one thing we've never really seen is kind of that older Peter Parker, that like kind of when he's married and he's kind of trying to make ends meet. And he, at some point later in the comics, he has a family and he's a teacher and all this kind of stuff. I thought that, I think that could be an interesting Spider-Man, which we don't really ever get. Yeah, that would be fun too. And maybe some way to fix Venom Mm. or at least bring the symbiote into, I guess, well, they've done that, right? They brought him in with the last Venom film. They did. They brought him in. They they certainly did that. <laughs> that's a thing that they did. Good times. I guess that's it for Who Dat this week. Who would you be? How would you answer those questions? Shoot us an email. Have any Who Dat suggestions? Feedback at the first com. Matt, next week, I think you're pretty excited, right? Because it's supposed oh, to be um, House oof. of Gucci. Mm. And then... I don't know if it's going to be Spencer or not, 
We'll have to see. I know The Power of the Dog, which is on Netflix, I really want to see as is passing. Red Rocket is coming out. Come on, come on. The Feast, Black Friday. That's the uh, Bruce Campbell, Michael J. White film. Mass, Belfast, Bendetta. All of these things matter on our TBD list that I okay. want to work in before the end of the year. Okay. So who knows what's going to happen for next week? In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review and help other people find the show. And that's it. Matt, why don't we go? Hey, listen, folks. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Matt, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was pretty good. Um, I had I took a week off. It went really fast, but it was a good time. Good. Yeah, mine was okay. It was solid. Yeah. Got together with uh, the uh, Mrs. First Run's family because they're all here in Tampa okay. with me. Wonderful dinner. So, um, yeah, no, it was a good time. Looking forward to uh, the rest of the holidays, too. I hope your Thanksgiving, everybody, was good. hope your travel was good. I hope you enjoyed our bonus focus episode with uh, Playlist Wars with Gomez. We talked about National Treasure and Timely, Nick Cage, right? Mm, very the latest episode of Screen Run is available where we talk about the audio drama of Alien 3. And then mm-hmm. Resurrection is going to hit Matt on Monday. So you can oh, listen to yeah, our discussion of Resurrection. Coming up, of course, next is when things really take a turn. Uh, Alien versus Predator. Not looking forward to that. <laughs> I, In the meantime. As a listener, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> hey, I got my booster, Matt. No side effects whatsoever. Did you get your booster? Yeah. Pfizer or uh, Moderna? Pfizer. Okay. Yeah, I. my wife got Moderna. She did have some slight side effects. I searched for Pfizer because I got the. that's what I got the first time and I didn't have any side effects. So I finally was able to get one for next week. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, and I got my flu shot Tuesday. I got my booster oh. a week ago and my flu shot Tuesday. So nice. I think Vax I'm in good up. shape. Everybody else, get vaccinated. Get that booster. Take care of yourselves. We love you. We're going to take an extended break, and we'll see you soon. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have fucked with? That's me.